0: Well, okay. like I guess
1: thats uh, well, my my question here is why we're not seeing the poll book off by thirty thousand votes. That—that's not the what case. What did you guys
0: do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it.
2: <laughs> and then Rudy started farting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> trying
3: uh, to distract there. the uh, people listening.
2: It was a pretty good fart. It, it, there's two of them, I believe. Here, listen. This is one.
0: I, I will. I will. I will ask that he be
3: he be disciplined
0: for that. First of all,
2: uh, you hear it. It was just like. And then there was another one
0: point of order the answer that I gave you is they didn't bother to interview a single witness
3: <laughs>
0: <sniffs> but
3: um, he just barrels through he doesn't even acknowledge that yeah. he just farted.
2: <laughs> that's that's what I do when like that like <laughs> slips out I act like I go that was not a fart I'm always like <laughs> I just you know you get talk when you try to drown it out
3: right like nothing yeah. was happening
2: no. Yeah. Captain Jenks is on the phone. I haven't heard from him in a while. Wow. He he wants to say that he claims he's done more for the show than Jeff the drunk.
3: <laughs> I, mean,
2: I wouldn't argue with I that.
3: I would say that's true.
2: But not lately. Where you been, Captain? How come uh, you've kind of disappeared he off the planet?
0: He came fly? out
3: of the closet and went away from us.
0: Yeah. Well, I came out of the closet and then a pandemic happened and it ruined everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was finally fucking guys.
0: Yeah, just the yeah. thing—he came out
3: in the pandemic.
2: <laughs> but everybody knows that Captain Jenks it's would hot. call in, would call into major shows like CNN, on Larry King, and various uh, other shows,
3: and uh, be... uh, marathons. Yes. You know those uh, big donation shows, like muscular dystrophy, and all of that stuff.
2: Yep, yeah, and then he stopped.
0: Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of uh, phone calls and stuff. There's no way that Jeff has done more than me for the show.
2: Absolutely. That no is one black. is going to argue that. No one is going to argue that. Absolutely. Thank you, Captain. I mean, there I do is.
0: think Jeff is funny, but nobody's done more for the show than me. And black, that black wise.
2: Uh, Captain, nobody's arguing that. Okay. <laughs> right, thank you. There you go. No one has done more.
3: And he started early, yeah,
2: yeah. Captain Jenks is evidently bummed out because he he came out so late in life, and now he can't get young, hot guys anymore. He's got to go with old guys, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's it was bad timing on his part.
3: I don't know why he stayed in so long.
2: Right. Anyway, I think what I'm going to do. Uh, I told you about Warner Brothers and the movies. I told you about uh, Trump. I told you about Melissa Carone. I think that's her name. Oh, I did want to mention one more thing before we go to uh, clean out the computer. Um, a, a, a death of uh, David Lander. You remember who David yes. Lander is? Squiggy.
3: Squiggy. From Laverne Actor, and
2: Shirley. From Laverne and Shirley. Actor David Lander died over the weekend from complications of multiple sclerosis. For those of you who were fans of the show, TV show Laverne and Shirley, he was 73 years old. And he was part of Lenny and Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. And you remember who played, you um, had, had David Lander and who was the other guy?
3: Michael McKeon.
2: That's right. He played Lenny. They were Laverne and Shirley's neighbors and co-workers. And Lenny and Squiggy were originally introduced as friends of Fonzie's on Happy Days. I bet you didn't know that. I did not
3: know that. I found that out yesterday.
2: All right. David Lander was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in the 80s. He kept it secret for 15 years. Not a, you know, smart. Because in Hollywood, they hear you're ill. They don't want to hire you. You understand?
3: That's what he thought. He thought he'd never work if people thought he was sick.
2: But, uh, yeah, I saw the picture of David Lander when they announced that he died and it was, he did everything he could not to look like Squiggy. You know, he looked like an accountant in this picture I'm looking at because (laughs) he didn't want to be typecast as Squiggy.
3: No, that was just a character he created.
2: Right. I was not a big Laverne and Shirley guy, and I, and I and I've told this story a million times, so I'm not going to bore you with it again. But in 1979, I was the morning man at WCCC in Hartford, Connecticut, AM and FM, two stations, 50,000 watt FM, and um, I had never interviewed a celebrity before. I didn't. I mean, who who the hell wanted We're to be on my find show?
3: Find a celebrity in Hartford.
2: <laughs> there was no celebrities in Hartford. Zero. I think once the, the I think once a mayor or something called in from Hartford <laughs> or something. I don't know what it was, but it was a disaster. But um, my program director came to me one day and he said, you're not going to believe this. We got the exclusive in Hartford. Lenny and Squiggy are going to be putting out a rock record called Lenny and the Squigtones. And for some reason, I guess my program director was a huge Laverne and Shirley fan. Uh, huh. he sat me down and told me this is going to be the biggest thing ever. Lenny and the squig tones. And he always prided himself on being a music guy. And he, you know, he was the one who uh, picked the music for our station and he knew what was going on. And, and he sat me down and I'm the morning. man. He goes, and because you're the morning man, you will be interviewing, you know, Lenny, Lenny and squiggy. And they're going to be driving to the airport on way to their tour for their big rock tour. And you're going to have the first interview in Hartford. Now, I mean, I was thinking to myself, this just sounds like the dumbest fucking moronic thing. Lenny and the Squigtones is not. And I played the record. I heard it. And we were, as a radio station, we were playing it nonstop. Lenny and the Squigtones. It was so bad. You know, they, 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 listen, nothing, I'm not taking anything away from Squiggy. He was a, a very funny uh, actor, but uh, the, the music was just ridiculous. You know, they were trying to be like the Blues Brothers and start right. something. Yeah. That was a big deal. And then and, and Lenny and Squiggy were going to have a big, but they it made no sense. The music was horrible. I should get that record and play it for you. Just to... I
3: would love to hear what that sounded like.
2: But I was a lowly disc jockey. This was my first big morning job, really. I mean, I'd been at one other radio station before that this was and I figured this program director, he's big time. He must know what he's doing because <laughs> his story was that he had once almost been hired away to a Los Angeles radio station to be the program. director. So I'm like, who am I to argue? But he I felt must silly. know what he's
3: talking about.
2: Yes, I, I, I trusted him because I said, well, he must know. And I must be out of it because I don't think Lenny and Squiggy, the record is going to go anywhere. But and then you, you had to get on the air and read these things lenny and squiggy the exclusive interview and then you'd you'd play a song from the record and you you, you know i'm like in the bizarre world because i'm trying to be the cool morning man the funny morning yeah. man and um i'm carrying on about lenny and squiggy i'm carrying on about lenny and squiggy
3: was anybody I, calling in and saying is this a goof <laughs> no
2: i mean but nobody called in anyway now, i don't think anyone oh. was listening to me i think i was an utter failure
3: oh dear yeah
2: <laughs> I don't know how many people listen. I mean, a ratings book came out. It seemed to be some people were listening. <laughs> I wasn't number one. That's for sure. But this Lenny and Squiggy, oh plus I had goodness. to play like 12 records an hour. But uh, yeah, he told me it was going to be used. The, the station promo was running every hour leading up to the interview. And we were treating Lenny and Squiggy like they were the Beatles coming the to Hartford.
3: The biggest stars ever. Right.
2: And they weren't even coming into the station. They were just going to call from the airport in Hartford. Like why they had a call from the airport. You know, but Lenny and Squiggy was like my my. Remember when David Frost interviewed Richard Nixon? Yes. This was going to be my big moment. (laughs) And I got to tell you, I don't I don't even remember the interview. I don't have tape of it. But um, the only thing I remember is they called him from the airport, and you could barely hear them. It was it was just like, "Hey everybody, (laughs) now it's here." Lenny and the Squigtones. Lenny and Squiggy run the phone. Hi guys, how are you? Yeah, hey, and and like, I'm a new, I, I was hardly ever on the radio, really, when you think about it. I was new to the whole medium and nervous, and I didn't want to fuck it up because it was such a big deal to my program director. And I didn't know what, are you supposed to go, hey, we can barely hear you, or do you pretend like you can hear them? Right. I didn't know what to do. Right. <laughs> hey, Lenny and Squiggy, so where, you're on your way to your first big concert. What's that going to be like?
3: Try a hard try I think to uh,
2: yeah, uh I guess we're having a little trouble here in Lenny and Squiggy, but guys, so so what's it like being on Laverne and Shirley?
3: Is that cool? we were So to get
2: That's what it sounded like. I remember
3: It sounds like a real disaster.
2: It was horrible. It was horrible. I mean and months of weeks of buildup.
3: Hey, Squiggy, and how'd the, you come up? And the music went nowhere after nowhere. that, right? Nowhere.
2: <laughs> Never. Completely tanked. The album, I, I mean, <laughs> nobody cared. It was not the Blues Brothers. <laughs> hey, Squiggy, how'd you come up with your catchphrase? Hello? Um, you know, when I first got the job. Truss...
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And what did your program director say after that? I don't know.
2: I think it was just kind of swept under the carpet. Like nobody really talked about it. It was a disaster. I was a disaster. The the event (laughs) was a disaster. The the phone connection was a disaster. (laughs) The whole thing was so misguided, and we and we probably lost all our credibility as a rock and roll radio station. Yeah. Because who was I? Don't think there was one station in the country that got behind the Lenny and the Squiggy album,
3: except yours.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was it. That's why we got the first interview. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted it. It was like, wow, that, and the, and the program director was like, yeah, we got a big, big exclusive. We can't blow it. he and the squig tones coming out. And he he really was convinced that He we're must gonna
3: be have been group. a Laverne and Shirley fan.
2: Yeah, he left Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> Who knows, Robin? Maybe if the phone had a better connection, it would have been a huge album. Who no.
3: knows? <laughs> did you ever tell Michael McKeon that you interviewed him during that time?
2: Too embarrassed. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna bring it. He's embarrassed, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> um We did we did actually um Dave um Lander, Squiggy, called into our show in two thousand one. He talked about his multiple sclerosis and
3: uh oh, you know, I don't he, even remember yeah. that.
2: Yeah. I don't either, but You know, now I have Elton John, but back then it was Lenny and Squiggy was my only option. <laughs> By the way, a John Hine Audiobook is on the phone. He has some interesting uh, thoughts about Laverne and Shirley.
3: I wondered if John was uh, yeah, upset let me... today.
2: Yeah, John, go ahead.
0: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Haas and Fepro Incorporated. Laverne and Shirley spun off from
1: Happy Days, did it their way, and made all their dreams come true yes. in Wisconsin. Right. Now, John, um, Laverne D'Apazio co- and Shirley Feeney worked on the assembly line at Shots Brewery in Milwaukee and shared a basement apartment.
2: Yes. Now, John Hine audiobook, um, Visitor- I understand you're sitting <laughs> shiva for Squiggy. Is that correct?
1: Yes, sir. Yes. Visitors included the landlady, Edna Babish, Carmine, the big ragu, Ragusa, Shirley's fantasy tough guy who loved to sing and dance, and wacky neighbors Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah, the John Heine audio book, which was owned by Laverne's father, Frank
0: DeFazio.
2: I want to know. Did, I, I got to hang up. Uh, were there more than three people that bought that audio book? It can't <laughs> be. It's just impossible. <laughs> that dynamic delivery is crazy. I love John. Schlemiel.
3: slamazel.
2: John from
3: There's
0: a feed phone family now.
2: <laughs> That's like, what the fuck? What kind of book is that? zo and the <laughs> and the great raggo <laughs> um the album title was Lenny and Squiggy present Lenny and the Squid tones Squid tones and released Squid on tones, yes. Squid tones and released on Casablanca records i gotta get- I gotta play some of that <laughs> do they have that like on on Pandora where we could no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. That's the one record not on Pandora. <laughs> many in the squid tons. Because like it would be great to listen to what I don't know what the fuck this thing was about. What but was anyway,
3: funny thinking there.
2: Yeah. Rest in peace, uh, uh, David Lander.
3: Funny man, and he worked a lot in animation and all of Did that he? stuff after um Laverne and Shirley.
2: I understand he was going to take the COVID vaccine on TV. But Governor Cuomo wanted him to. But unfortunately, he's gone now and he can't do it. So Robin's going to step in.
3: Shame on you. Yeah,
2: I can't wait to watch you on TV taking your vaccine. I'm really looking forward to this. How soon can we get that on TV? Please.
3: Well, I have to start uh, right. figuring it all out.
2: And you don't First, mean just on our app. By I can app. take it. Huh? By, TV, by TV, you don't mean our show on the app. You mean you want to go on national television.
3: I want to go on... Yeah. Television, yeah, on the yeah. news, right? And and be a person who's willing to take the vaccine in front of everyone.
2: We just got a call. A pay per view wants to know if you would do it there, <laughs> where people could pay to see you take it. <laughs> and also, we received a call from NBC. They want exclusive rights in prime time, and they're ready <laughs> to negotiate with you. So there That'll you go. Be
3: ridiculous.
2: Yes, and that's something. Um. Let me l- listen. I, I mean, really, I do want to clean out the computer very much, and, I, and there's a reason for it. Many of you know I'm uh, I am thinking about resigning, but I'm also thinking of resigning and um, leaving Those the radio. Those two
3: words are very close.
2: Very close. I'm glad you noticed my my beautiful <laughs> words. I'm thinking of resigning and resigning. <laughs> And uh, I don't know really what it is that's going to happen. And it would be a shame if I suddenly end the show. We only have like five shows left after yeah. this one. It would be a shame if a lot of this material that's been sitting in the computer never got on the air. So over what the next three days.
3: What would to this material That's right if it never got played on the air?
2: That's right. So what I'll do is I'll take a short break. Pish break. You can pish. I can pish. We'll come back. We'll get the guys in here, and we'll do a little uh, rundown of uh, this computer, all the material we have been unable to get to, okay? That's what we're going to do right after this.
3: Yeah.
2: Hey now.
3: Yeah. That's
2: Maroon 5 doing a cover of Sexy Candy. Sexy Adam Levine. Yeah. Hey, now. You would have sex with uh, Adam you know, Levine in a minute, right, Robin? I mean, I know he's married and everything, but I'm saying...
3: Against his will, even. Right. You would attack him. I would rape him like Benji goes into those things.
2: Oh, my God. Rape I fantasy. Would, uh, I
3: right. would con him into a rape fantasy and then tie you him like, up. You like his look. Oh, he's Me. gorgeous. What are you talking about?
2: Someone asked me, would I have sex with, uh, the woman who was with Rudy Giuliana, the, the, the Giuliani, the Melissa Caron woman who was... Oh, nightclub. that yeah, one? Yeah. Uh-huh. Of course I would. I mean, I would. <laughs> I mean, but you know, before I got famous, once I got famous, I was able to you turn couldn't certain be with women
3: out. I, mean,
2: I could be with her, but for one night. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll get to, uh, by the way, uh, the guys are, uh, standing by. Gary, Mike trainer, Sal, and Chris Wilding to present what is sitting Russian roulette. Yes, Sal. Russian Um, roulette. Yes, Sal. Russian roulette. Prevalent. Uh, Yes, prevalent. We're going to, uh, it's prevalent, Sal, prevalent, prevalent, prevalent. Prevalent. (laughs) Prevalent. Prevalent. You
3: can't say it right
2: anymore. (laughs) No, once he gets a hold of me, that's it. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Prevalent.
2: Prevalent. Prevalent. (laughs) Prevalent, <laughs> you moron. oh jesus <laughs> prevalent prevalent um yes uh, l- real quick before we get right to the cleaning out of the computer because should i retire which is becoming more and more obvious to me that i should i do want i do want the i, do want the, I, I don't want to leave and have this material sitting around it's it's a gold that's mine that's right
3: people who've worked on this yes nurtured it
2: Yes, you get the idea. All right, let's yeah. go to Erin and also uh, keep in mind that Robin will be on TV very soon taking the vaccine volunteering. <laughs> uh, what can I do for you, Erin?
0: Hey, good morning, Howard. Hey, now.
2: Hey, now. Hey, now.
0: So I've got a question for Robert uh, Robin. Robin, hey you're now. my all time favorite. I'm obsessed with you, but I do think you may be wanting to volunteer to take the vaccine just to get Closer to Cuomo. Oh, yes or no? stop it.
2: That's absurd. Right. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna That's fuck around. That's right. Again. Yes. Who said he people. had
1: to be there?
2: Right. Cody, go ahead in Ohio. Cody, everyone.
1: Hey now, Howard. can you hear hey me now. okay? Hey now. Hey, hey man. Hey, uh, so so I'm a critical care doctor in Cleveland, Ohio at shall we say, a major health system that you've heard of and you guys frequently quote. And The reason I'm calling in today, you know, first of all, I want to say I'm a a first-time caller, long-time listener. I love you guys. You helped me get through medical school. You helped me get through training, putting in all the long hours, being able to listen to you guys. Like, I don't want to overstate it, but you guys have saved my life multiple times just by making me laugh. And in a time like this, um, we are drowning, and we are in hell. And people don't understand not only what's happening to people, you know, patients across this country. On an average day, you know, I'm admitting five to 10 people to my ICU. Seventy-five percent of the patients in my ICU are on ventilators. When they get on the ventilator, on average, they're on the ventilator for 10 days. And people don't understand it. And two days ago, you know, right before I left work, I had another patient who was dying from coronavirus. And... His son looked at me, you know, his family's, fortunately our hospital's still allowing families to come in and at least stand outside of the room to see their loved one. And patient's son looked at me and said to me, I know he has coronavirus, but why is he so sick? And, and it's heartbreaking. People don't understand that coronavirus alone is enough to kill you. Um, sometimes patients have other things going on, but most of the time it's just coronavirus. And I have to tell you, Howard, I'm I am not An emotional person. I'm relatively resilient. I came home that night and started talking to my wife about it and I started crying. I I couldn't help it. It's been nine months of hell. And, you know, I'm not unique. We have lots and lots of doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, all disciplines of medicine, and we are drowning. We are drowning in work. Um, You know, I get on Facebook and it fucking kills me. You know, you look at all these people who want to pretend that this shit isn't real people want to pretend like they can just go about their normal lives. And like, it, it, it's so hard to work every day knowing that we're drowning and to spend so much time planning. You know, I, I help direct the ICU and we spend so much time planning for how we're going to take care of additional patients. And at the same time, you know, I come home and I, I look at things like Facebook and you have all these assholes out there who are just, Ignoring things, pretending like it doesn't exist. And I know, you know, they might be okay, but they have parents, they have grandparents, they have family members that could die from it.
0: And, but and you're just, not just seeing a, a doctor, see you're not day. just
2: seeing old people uh, dying. You're, no. you're seeing some young people too, right?
0: And
1: Not only am I not just seeing old people and seeing young people, Howard, the, the truth is at this point, nine months into the pandemic, we still don't know who's going to get sick and why. I see patients who are old in their 90s who come into the hospital and have relatively few symptoms. They might not even be on oxygen. We've had patients who have been incidentally diagnosed in their 90s. And I've seen the worst case that I saw in a young person. I saw a 21-year-old patient who came into our hospital with coronavirus. Um, I know you guys have talked about it before, but patients with coronavirus can develop what's called cardiomyopathy, which is Inflammation in the heart related to the virus alone, up to 25% of patients can develop it. And I saw a 21 year old in the hospital for one day who cardiac arrested. Um, mm-hmm. when he cardiac arrested, fortunately we were able to get him back. I had to send him to the, the main campus of my healthcare institution. I'll just say it, it's the Cleveland clinic. I know you guys know the Cleveland clinic. So, um, and fortunately for that patient, he was put on what's called ECMO. ECMO is a heart-lung bypass machine. It's essentially an artificial lung because, his, and an artificial heart because both his lungs and his heart were so sick that without it, he would have died. And mm. fortunately for that patient, he got better. But again, this was a 21-year-old with no medical problems who had a cardiac arrest in front of me and almost died.
2: Are you seeing a uh, surge from Thanksgiving problems. now?
1: Um, I will tell you that, yes, we've seen a little bit of a surge. Um, Fortunately, and I I don't think it's going to hold because, again, people have not been careful. Um, Over the last week, our numbers have been relatively stable just this week, but for the last two to three weeks, we've been surging. Um, I will tell you that I've had multiple days last week where I had no ICU beds to put patients in. And by far and away, the bigger issue we're dealing with at this point, not just at my hospital, not just at the Cleveland Clinic, across the country, is providers are getting sick now. Doctors are getting sick. Nurses are getting sick. I, myself, last week, I was sick. I thought I had coronavirus. I got both my fifth and sixth COVID tests while I was out sick. And fortunately, they were negative, and I was able to go back to work. But the thing about it is we're running out of nurses. We're running out of respiratory therapists. Those are the people that help manage the ventilator. They're the ones that give the breathing treatments to the patients on the ventilator. They're the highest risk of all the medical disciplines to contract coronavirus at work. And one of the respiratory therapists might take care of 10 or 12 of my patients on the ventilator. And if they're out sick, it's a big problem. And we can make more beds. Frankly, physicians, we're not the problem right now. You can find more physicians. You can cross-train people. The biggest issue we have right now is we don't have enough respiratory therapists and we don't have enough critical care nurses to take care of all the patients. The other day, I had a couple beds in my ICU, but I didn't have a nurse to take care of patients. And if you have all the beds in the world, but you have no one that knows how to take care of the patient, those beds don't matter.
2: Yeah. One of my daughters works uh, in a hospital, saw somebody uh, dying and whole last rights thing and she's just been wrecked. And then I have another daughter who's a healthcare worker. And she's seeing crazy shit too. But um, tell me about this special cocktail that Trump got that I think saved his life. Do you do you see um, that drug at your hospital? In other words. Are you able to give that whatever that crap is that 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 is a special well, he, kind of?
3: You don't have antibodies to give people.
0: What no, what is so, that true? So I yeah. will tell
1: you. I think what you're talking about that I believe Donald Trump got is a medication called Regeneron. And I'll right. admit that I don't know much about it. I haven't seen it. Um, you know, my health institution has been doing ongoing studies on multiple things, things like stem cell therapy, things like antibody treatment. Yeah. The thing about it at this point is, you know, nine months into this, we still don't know the magic bullet. And uh, what I will tell you is certainly at this point, there are only two medications that have solid scientific evidence backing them for patients that get as sick that they need the ICU like the patient's see that end up on ventilators. And that's a medication called decadron or dexamethasone, which is a steroid that has multiple studies that shows an improvement in mortality for patients who need oxygen. And the other medication medication has been approved is remdesivir, and that might get patients out of the hospital a little bit sooner. Um, mm. Everything else that's being given at this point, everything else that's being offered in any hospital, everything else that are you Know, retarded president might have gotten. I hate to say that, but you no, know, I'm no fan of Trump, and I know you aren't either. But everything else has been gone you know, how, how is being how is it to that Trump
2: now. is busy going around the country talking about whether he won the election or not, which is absurd? You know, it's been verified, there's enough people who know, you know, it's a whole thing so stupid. And not be talking about this, this COVID, I don't even hear a word about it from him, except just go ahead and live your life. In a dangerous way. That's why the hospitals well, are complete. This is treasonous. What's going on right now? Telling people to run around. Well, uh, go, it, it, go it to it rallies. not be
3: treasonous, but it certainly but, is criminal.
2: It certainly is.
1: Yeah, I but mean, I, I, Howard, I, I 100% agree with you. I think, um, you know, unfortunately, we have not had leadership in this country for the last four years. Um, yeah. You know, whatever your political beliefs our response in the United States to coronavirus is nothing short of criminal. The fact that we have had, you know, nearly we're nearing 300,000 people dead. We're at a point where every single day we have between two and 3,000 people dying. We are having nine 11 every day in this country. And unfortunately at this point, even with that, the vast majority of people don't care. And, and I think some of that is selfishness in America. I think unless it's affecting us, We don't care, and I think it's very American for us to get bored with things, the fact that this has been going on for nine months. And at this point, it's as bad as it's ever been. In fact, it's worse. Um, I will tell you, you know, I I can't speak to New York as much, but in the state of Ohio right now, the current trajectory we're on, um, I don't expect this to peak, meaning to get as bad as it's possibly going to get, this current surge that we're on, until the middle of January. And what that means, and I I don't mean to belabor it, but what that means is every day that I go to work in the ICU, I have the worst professional day of my life. And I don't expect that to get better for another month to month and a half to get better at all. Things won't be as good as they are today, which is already, again, I I don't want to overstate it. It's hell. Things will not get this good again for probably three months. Mm. And that's what people don't understand.
3: Yeah, they're saying this is not the peak where we are right now. That's right. No,
2: Listen, what what, what well, has happened in this country when I'm looking at Australia that is essentially over the covid virus, They're, they've got it so locked down and under control that people are actually getting back to normal because they've spent the last eight months really staying on top of this thing. That's leadership. That's, you know, leveling with the people, telling them what to do, telling them how to get rid of this thing, um, you know, over the last 14 yeah, think- days. COVID cases are up 15%. Hospitalizations are up 25%. Deaths are up 48%. This thing is real. And you hear this doctor, Cody, on the phone. He's telling you the truth. He he doesn't have any skin in the game. He's not looking to lie to you. I don't know who these people are. I think everything's a conspiracy.
1: And I still have people, unfortunately, Howard, in the hospital, people who don't believe that this is real. I've had patients, not patients themselves, but I've had family members who say that we're making it up because (laughs) they hear what the president says. The fact that the president of the United States said that doctors get paid more money to sign death certificates for COVID is ridiculous. Uh, It is insulting to my profession. It's
2: insulting to
1: all the hard work we're doing. And when we're going to work every day and I'm watching multiple patients every day die from this, I'm intubating multiple patients a day. And the other thing people have to understand is the people I work with. The other doctors, the nurses, the respiratory therapists, and on and on pharmacists. I mean, I work in a very large multidisciplinary team. Those people are putting their lives on the line every day. People don't understand that, even though I have personal. You got a guy in charge who doesn't doesn't know from hard work.
2: You got got a guy in charge who doesn't know about hard work. I mean, uh, let's face it. I mean, people who. No clue. All right. Uh, Dr. Cody, thank you. It's a depressing thought, but I'm glad you called in. Um, oh, wait a second, uh, thank you, Cody! Howard.
0: I love you
1: guys.
2: Thank you. All right, thank you, Cody, and uh, thank yeah. you, and 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 stay strong. I mean, man, I thank you for everything you're doing. These doctors are really putting it all out there.
1: The and, whole medical um, staff, can the I say one doctors.
2: Yep. Yeah. The
0: Thanks, nurses. Cody. Can I say just
1: one more thing, Howard?
0: Sure, uh, absolutely.
1: I think you know the biggest crisis beyond what we're dealing with right now, the crisis that is yet to come that people really don't understand is. I myself, again, I consider myself to be quite resilient. I have, unfortunately, you know, I'm 34 years old. I've been a critical care doctor now. I'm in my sixth year as a critical care doctor. I'm like your friend, Dr. Lou. I did my undergrad in my medical school in six years. And at this point, you know, I've seen lots of deaths. I've seen lots of terrible things because I work in the ICU and it's what we see every day. But I've never, ever seen anything like this. I've never had to see so many people die a day. And, again, I think I'm relatively resilient. But what about the other doctors I work with? What about the other nurses? What about all these other healthcare providers? The oncoming wave of post-traumatic stress disorder, burnout, people that are going to leave the profession because they can't take it anymore, it's going to be huge. And the, And, again, in this country, we already have a criminally low amount of mental health services. You know, I I, the other day after I talked to my wife and I started crying because I've had nine months of pent-up emotion, I got in contact with people I work with. And at my hospital, I'm going to try to set up a support group for the people I work with, other doctors, other nurses, where the people that I go to battle with every day against this virus, we can try to sit down and talk to each other to talk about what we're going through. Because unfortunately, most people don't understand what we're seeing every day. And that's going to be a big, big problem that a lot of people just haven't recognized yet.
2: You know, you make a really good point. I'll tell you why. I was thinking about this the other day. You got doctors like yourself. Now, let's face it. Our, our medical doctors are the creme de la creme of academics. In order to get into medical school, you got to be pretty fucking smart. How many of these guys, like Cody, do you think really want to be on the front lines? You know, they could take a cush job somewhere and, uh, you know, see patients privately. They don't have to be at the ICU. Cody doesn't have to be at the ICU. I guarantee you, if he put out his resume... He'd have a job in 10 minutes or he'd set up his own practice. This is uh, what's going to happen to these medical professionals. I really do worry about it. And what Cody says is true. When you look at a country like Australia, that they're already having live concerts again. How does Cody feel like he is in this with the United States government? When the president of the United States is telling people, don't really worry about it. Who gives a fuck? Don't wear a mask. You're a pussy. How could a doctor... Work in conjunction. Uh, the doctors are going to start saying to themselves, well, if the president doesn't care and the government doesn't care, what the fuck am I going to be doing? And, uh, you know, it, it is such a breakdown of the system. We are in such big trouble. Uh, with the opposing point of view, Cody, right now is uh, Alex Jones. He says that you are a oh, crisis no. actor. Let <laughs> Listen, you got to allow this. Go, go ahead, Alex here we go go ahead alex infowars.com infowars.com for the planet.tv howard i would like to congratulate this dr cody on being an excellent crisis
0: actor i think you should definitely win the bilderberg award for supporting soros and the prime controllers in their coronavirus hoax to inoculate people with the forced bill gates vaccination inoculation in- in- infowars.com
2: have you no decency i mean my goodness this guy's pouring his heart out what are you saying to speak about Bloomberg, Bezos, and the others in the militarized militarized testing with the brain swaps and Bill Gates DNA mapping, the 5G electromagnetic wavelength systems, the DARPA program from 1962. This is what you need to be speaking about, not the corona hoax virus. InfoWars.com. All right. right. Thank you, Alex. Is there anything, Alex, you can recommend to the doctor that we can take to get rid of this coronavirus?
0: There is to cure coronavirus on contact and it is the ultra x9 bone broth that's right <laughs> made from rotten chicken bones and sand at infowars.com it's gonna make you feel like a million bucks it will cure coronavirus on contact infowars.com uh,
2: thank you there you go doctor <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay well <laughs> now, now you have the other side
2: There you have the other side. You always have to present the other side. You always do. But Cody, you're fantastic. I I can't thank you enough for helping the people of Ohio. It's a it's a it's a tireless effort. And I got to tell you something. Um, I feel your pain because if I was a doctor on the front lines and I saw my government can't even be run properly, that we can't even we can't even give the message to wear a fucking mask. I, I mean, I've never seen a country more poorly run than this one. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. This was Howard, something.
1: I know yes. that you've been angry about this, and I have to say, just imagine from my side when I do what I do every day, and then I go to the grocery store and people have their fucking masks hanging underneath their nose, if they're wearing one at all. I know. You have the president still telling people, I don't know if it works. I don't know if it doesn't. It's horrible what we're dealing with. Even if a mask, you know, I was in again, you know, you talk to people you grew up with on Facebook, and some of them are morons, let's be honest about it. But when I still have people arguing with me about whether or not they should wear a mask, let's say a mask, you know, and I'm not saying this, but let's say a mask is 10% effective. Jesus Christ, putting a mask on your face, it has absolutely no health consequences. Why are we still having to talk about this at this point? It it's It's such an embarrassment.
0: It's an embarrassment. The
1: country is an embarrassment.
2: The people of this country are an embarrassment. Not all of them, you know. You know which half I'm talking about. We're dealing with a nation of morons, and we are an embarrassment.
1: And I just want to, I want to thank Robin for her service and her, you know, her service to this country. Her time as a nurse. I have seen nurses who go above and beyond. Nurses are very special. But in all my time in medicine, the one thing I have to see is I have never. Ever seen a nurse straddle a patient the way that Robin has? And right, that is yeah, incredible. Here. She has really gone above and beyond with that.
3: Uh,
2: let's toast to that. For, uh, raise your glass of booze and say, "Cheers to Robin Quivers, who is always a national hero." She, she, when she was a nurse, she pleasured... going uh,
3: above and beyond.
2: Right, she wanted to show this man that he was still a man, and uh, she went above and beyond.
3: Uh, by the way, Eric,
2: I've
0: seen many givers, Dick Dick but never energy. to that level.
3: That's <laughs> big right. dick energy
2: yes robin big dick energy of course I keep saying Joe that but you love dick i know that all right uh
3: okay. four inches on, is fine
2: all right uh by the way so
3: disjoint, how come ain't
2: called- what am i hearing here
3: i don't know what that is what is that
2: i don't know uh eric is on the phone cody he is a covid body removal specialist but eric what is that
0: oh my goodness oh good morning howard good morning everybody I wouldn't say it's a removal specialist. It's just a removal guy. It just happens to be COVID's popular now, so that's become the speciality. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: So, how many bodies? Where where are you in Florida? How many bodies have you removed?
0: Well, from the you, COVID? I, I'm in the middle of like Orlando and West Palm Beach. Let's say that that's where I'm based out of. Yes. And how that's
2: many how bodies have familiar. you removed? I mean, how many bodies have you removed?
0: When? Last night, this morning, I took six to Lake. To yesterday, I had three going one way. I mean, it's, a, it's a, uh, let's say six yesterday, three had COVID. Mm. So that was yesterday for one run. It's too broad a question, Howard. Right, I got tell you, you this: I got eighteen wheelers. I got I got eighteen wheelers behind funeral homes, refrigerated eighteen wheelers behind funeral homes. I've never seen that in twenty years. It's, it's insane. Wow. That 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 guy who's just that awesome. That guy Cody. That guy. I, my heart goes out to all. My wife's an RN, so and she's deep too. She's just as deep as me. And I'm the clean up guy. You know, no one ever says, uh, let's also thank the guy who's picking up these bodies." <laughs> you know, there, I, I see way more than that guy. He just puts them in the morgue. I go to every morgue. You know, mm.
2: how much so, uh, money can a body I remover him, make? Though. That seems like an interesting career. What? Uh, how much money do you get for that? And you pull down a year?
0: It's not as much as I should, you know? I mean, well, it's, you... it's uh, you know, 25 bucks, 30 bucks an hour on a good, you know, depending. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and is it hard so, removing
0: bodies? There's days I, I mean... work 10 hours, or days I work 2 hours, so it, it all depends, sir.
2: Yeah, I see. It's hard work, huh?
0: You know? Hard isn't the issue, How Hard work is obese people. COVID people are cakewalks. They're usually old and... This or that. No, no, no. The obese people, Howard, are hard work. When I have to have four people in vans and walls cut out, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> that's hard you know, work, Howard.
2: You're pretty upbeat for a guy who removes dead bodies, i got to say. Uh, all right, thank you very much, Eric. Uh,
0: yeah, well, you know, Howard, talking to you has been something I've been pushing for 20 years, so that's awesome. So it's, it's brightened my day. Plus, thank you and, and thank and, you know, for what you do, because you are forgotten. That's right. Thank you for telling me the news for 20 years and keeping me informed, Robin. I miss it.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Eric.
0: Yes, thank you. Eric Thank you. Thank No, thank you. No, thank you. Hey,
1: Howard, am I still on the line with you there?
2: Yeah. It's Cody. Yes, Cody. So
1: so, uh, first of all, I want to thank that guy as well. I mean, what he's doing, obviously, is, is no cakewalk. He brings up another good point. You know, one of the other treatments that we offer for patients who have very low oxygen levels even on the ventilator is what's called prone positioning where we actually flip people over onto their stomach while they're on the ventilator and mm-hmm. that is uh, difficult it's potentially life-threatening because when as you can imagine when you're hooked up to a breathing machine if we flip you over and the tube comes out and the reason we're flipping you over is because your oxygen levels are very low there's a very real possibility those patients could die and where it becomes exceedingly difficult is is the obese patient so when we Flip a patient over. Typically, we have seven people in the room doing it, um, and even then, sometimes it's not enough. We've had patients that have been so large that we actually can't even offer that treatment to them because we can't physically do the procedure.
2: Jesus, I got to tell you, what you're describing is a national nightmare. Um, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is. It is just a right.
1: this is the and and you, Howard. I think you know. I don't want to uh, continue to. Contribute to, um, your, your fears. But the truth of the matter is the way you've been describing things over the last nine months. Again, I listen to your show every day. I love your show. It has gotten me through some really hard times. It has gotten me through some dark times. Um, you know, what, what I do, um, you have to have a dark sense of humor because otherwise you couldn't do what I do every day. Um, but the thing about it is you're not over describing things when you say that, you know, this is a crisis. If anything, you're underselling it. This is the healthcare crisis of our lifetime right now. We hope this is the healthcare crisis of our lifetime. There's lots of emerging pathogens and viruses that constantly put us at risk. But at least, you know, in my lifetime so far, this is the closest we've ever come to something like the 1918 influenza pandemic. This is well, the healthcare crisis the,
2: the shocking life, part is not still. that not the, the shocking part is that uh, there's so many people who lottie da through this thing I mean I have friends who I consider very intelligent who are like what are you doing hiding in your house what are you doing I mean they they, they ridicule me they go when are we gonna see you? what do you got Beth locked up in there I go no Beth's scared too if you don't have to do think, anything, you, know, you stay in your house. And if you have to do something, you be careful and you wear a mask. I mean, it's so fucking simple, but, you know, you got so many it, nitwits. You, I mean, you, you know, you're know, 100% listen.
1: right. It's, it's very simple what you have to do. And I think, you know, again, you should tell those people when they tell you, you know, what are you doing? Why aren't you coming out of your house? Tell them that they are lucky. This is the thing that I keep trying to describe to people that don't understand it because I've become angry at this point. I've become cynical. And because that's where we're at, I will still go to work every day. I will take care of as many patients I can. As long as I am healthy enough to do it, there is nothing that's going to stop me from taking care of my patients. But at the same time, the people that are telling you to come to their parties, the people that are telling you to leave their house, the people that are minimizing what you're doing, those people are assholes and they need to- They're
2: assholes. And, 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 the, and, and the and the guy in charge is, is talking to the idiots and telling them, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Be happy. Go that's out. It. Come to my rallies.
1: And this is the message. So you don't it's have a partner in this. All.
2: all right, Cody. Thank you. It's You've said it all.
1: all. And that's the thing is people need to understand that the reason that they aren't taking this seriously at this point is because they have the luxury of never having to see this firsthand. They haven't had to watch people die from this. It is horrible. It is lonely. These well, people can't have their family members in the room. It's, it's, it's horrible, and you know People what? that don't understand it. It's awful.
2: During the Vietnam War, on the news, they used to have camera guys right there. You'd see guys getting shot. You'd see him getting killed. And I'd be eating my dinner, watching this with my mother. And all of a sudden, she turned to me. She goes, "You're not going in the army because if you know they had a draft back then, they should put they should follow you with a camera." And watch people every night on the news. Just watch people dying of COVID. Watch them choking. What's it look like when someone's dying of COVID? What did what, they can't breathe, and what are they gasping for air? Is that how it looks?
1: Well, what the thing I would tell you, Howard, is it's unpleasant to watch anyone die. And right. uh, you know, yes, you are correct that is, having coronavirus is a horrible way to die when you get sick enough to die. That the That's thing right. I will say is still as put a it on the news. When I have patients. Yeah, when I have patients who I know are going to die, my obligation as a physician is to relieve their suffering and do everything I can to make sure that they are comfortable. And I always do that to the best of my ability. And so you don't see a lot of people who are literally choking to death because we give them medication, you know, opiate pain medication, other medications to make sure that they don't suffer and that they're as comfortable as we can make them. But the thing that kills me every day still is We have something that is truly preventable that if you look at other countries, as you pointed out, places like Australia, who have been very aggressive about what they're doing, they're back to living normal life. And at this point, we're now nine months into this, and we're still having people die every day from something that is preventable. If everyone would just stop thinking about themselves and care about each other for just a short period of time, a couple of months, if people really wore their masks and stayed in their house, this would be over.
2: What is it like when a patient realizes they're going to die alone without their loved ones nearby? They can't, you know, they can't say goodbye. They're, they're
1: completely isolated.
2: I wish they'd show that on the news. I'm trying to hold it
1: together. Yeah. I know. I, I'm trying not to cry right now because if I think about what I see every day, it, most people could not handle it. And the thing I will tell you is I have had not one, not two, not 10 dozens and dozens of patients at this point when I've had to walk in the room and tell them I have to put you on a ventilator because your oxygen levels are so low if they're still coherent they look at me with horror in their eyes the very first patient that I intubated was the first patient we intubated at the Cleveland Clinic I was the first one to intubate somebody with COVID talk about scary because we didn't know what to think at the time and this poor woman looked at me no less than three times, looked me in the eyes and said to me, I'm not ready to die yet. Please don't let me die. And that's not unique. She's not the only one. I I hear that at least once a week, sometimes multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day, where I have to go in and put people on ventilators, and they look at me, and I know that they are scared to death. And what, what can I say to those people? I always tell them the same thing, which is I will do everything I can to get you better from this. But the truth of the matter is, some of them don't get better. And it doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. Even young patients, if you end up sick enough to end up on a ventilator, if you're young, meaning under the age of 65, about 10% of those patients die. As you get older, the chance that if you end up on a ventilator that you're going to die from coronavirus goes up above the age of 65, it's about 30%. And every decade after that, it goes up about another 10%. But even if you're young and you're otherwise healthy, if you end up on the ventilator, A 10% chance that you're going to die is not insignificant. I mean, that's a significant chance of death. And and you are correct. It is horrible to have to tell people this. It's horrible to have to see the pain in their eyes. I've had to stand in the room because I already have my PPE on getting ready while patients call their family members and say goodbye because they don't know if they're ever going to get to talk to them again. They don't know if they're going to come off the ventilator and get to speak to their children. That first woman I intubated had two you know, children who were young adults. And I talked to them every day that she was on the ventilator. And fortunately, she got better. She got out of the ICU. She walked out of the hospital. That's one of the greatest professional rewards that I've had in my life to see that. But at the same time, for every, you know, patient that I see leave the hospital, you know, for every 10 patients that leave the hospital, there's one or two that don't. And, you know, it's unfair. It's unfair to those patients. It's unfair to their families. It's unfair that they have to see this and they have to know afterwards that we still have people out there who are pretending that this doesn't exist we still have people who aren't taking this seriously and so much of this is preventable and the problem Absolutely. is there's just so many people in this country that are either stupid or they're just assholes and they don't care. assholes and assholes
2: dumb assholes but uh, look during this discussion our uh, incoming CEO emailed us to let us know a SiriusXM Sirius employee died from COVID. This is what's going really? on. People are Really? Yes, that's the truth. It's a horrible thing. And, you know, no matter how many times, you know, Sal puts a clown nose on his penis to cheer everyone up, uh, you know, there's only so much we can do over here. This is real. Cody, you have been an excellent and articulate spokesperson about what the fuck is going on in this country. And I hope you scared the shit out of a couple of people. And maybe they even are, 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 the, the people I'm will scared. start to shame this I, federal know, government that is currently in office and say, what have you done? Nothing. You're sitting just, there.
1: You know, it used, to be, it used to be I go to work and I'm scared for the people that I'm taking care of, you know, for, for their illnesses. And, but this is something that's preventable. Not only is it preventable, every day I go to work, I'm at a high risk of contracting coronavirus. Critical yep. care doctors amongst physicians were one of the highest professions. So not only am I looking this devil in the face every day, not only am I trying to save people's lives every day, but every day that I go to work, I know that there's a chance that I might be that patient the next day.
2: Yeah. And here's Talk a guy. Talk a
1: mind fund. Right. And here's every a guy who day, went to medical I know school. that I could be the person who needs to go on a ventilator.
2: Yeah. And here's this guy who went to medical school, which you know what that means. Kaching, If he wasn't working in the ICU, he could make a lot more money, be a lot safer. And he's risking his life. It's just it's just ridiculous Well it's the thing
3: I've said over and over again, even if you don't care about everybody else, think of the burden you're putting on the medical system and everybody who works in the hospital.
2: Nah, fuck you're, it. You're
3: not thinking they don't care, of they don't how care. hard they don't it's gonna care. be to try to save your life.
2: They're going to tell you fake news, fake news. All right. All right. Cody. I saw
3: one story, Howard, where this nurse was crying because she said the whole time the man was dying, he was still saying he didn't have COVID because he didn't believe in it.
0: Yeah. But he was—he
3: died.
2: Yeah. All right, Cody, you've said it all. Thank you. And uh, I thank you for what you're doing. You're a tremendous human being. If, uh, you know, I wouldn't give Rush Limbaugh the Medal of Freedom. I give it to you if I was president. That's who would get it. You get it you're you're someone who deserves a medal that's the truth
1: thank you now um, i'm crying like a little baby but but thank you you know people robin is correct not enough people appreciate i'm not trying to pat myself on the back again i worked along i want to make sure people understand i do what i do because i love it someone has to take care of these patients somebody has to be prepared for this But the truth of the matter is there's so many people that are putting their lives at risk every single day to take care of these patients. And it is largely thankless. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I will tell you, in the beginning of this pandemic in March and April, you know, people used to send food into the hospital for the healthcare workers. They used to make signs for us. That's all gone now. People are bored with it. People don't want to move on. Yeah, they've moved on. Yeah, they want to move on. They've all moved on. I don't get to All move right. on because I have to see it every day. So I That's want everyone right. else to know that too. Thank you for thank you for taking the time to listen. I love you guys. I appreciate your show. You know, I know that we make jokes about your show and, and people think it's not important, but I cannot overstate it that you have gotten me through some very, very difficult times in my life. And just being able to listen to your show and laugh and forget some thank of the you. things I see has been invaluable. So you are a part of the coronavirus response you have helped Good. us to
2: be all able right, to help look, other people uh, thank you for that thank you dr cody all right thank you very and much hi, That's fred. The,
1: thank you too thank fred. you fred, no a need sense. to thank fred fred. Is the hero of the fred whole thing. is
2: the fred <laughs> if fred is a real hero over there i know he is i don't know why but i know he is i'll just say thanks to the doctor leave it at that fred thank you dr cody there you go Oh, here's a guy. Oh, we got to take this. This is Dave. What? He's sick of the COVID. What is it? Oh, Dave?
3: forget it. Why are you doing
0: this?
2: God, ah, come on, it's fun. Go ahead, Dave.
0: Howard, come on. Yes. What the fuck is going? This is all we got to listen to every fucking day. If this is how your your last shows are going to be. Who gives a fuck if you resign? You're going to come back and fucking the new year, and then we're going to go over this again. The fucking virus is going to be vaccinated. It's going to be over with. Why do we got to listen to this every fucking day?
2: Wow, wow!
0: It's fucking ridiculous. It's like that's all we're listening to every fucking day. Nine months now. We're in a crisis,
2: Dave. How many times? uh, Listen. How many times?
0: How many? Be honest. How many times
2: do I really? Well, how many times do I really pick up on the phone he on a doctor? This is one time. Hour. Did you hear uh, Oh, bullshit. Is?
1: How about the body
0: guy? How about the body guy? He says they're old. The people are light. They're old. Those are the people, the people that are weak immune system. The people that, that, that. that yeah. That, oh, come on. What, what is, about, what about, about wearing a
2: mask? Done.